0: gareth owen and this is dragon heart
1: welcome to dragon heart the last dragon heart before christmas i am joined with by bill and mark griffiths captain lichtenstein himself how are we guys very good
2: very good Christmas is coming. The the goose is getting fat. Please remove Aaron Hayden's hat. <laughs> I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> I, I don't it, know what that means either. It's magic hat. It's
2: magic hat. Absolutely so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, are you all get you guys all set for Christmas. Not in the slightest. <laughs> Not I, at I, all. I sort of am, and it's quite out of character.
2: Um, but I think I think I'm kind of am. Yeah. It's, yeah, I feel weird actually. Now, it made me think about this. What's wrong with me? I'm, I'm organised. Oh,
1: this won't last. Well, that's that. That doesn't strike. that's does surprise me, Mark. You do seem like a guy that would leave something to last
0: minute and... just like yeah, Mark Mar- yeah.
1: has cri- yeah, just Christmas. like Rackham.
0: Yeah, Mark's got Christmas Eve panic shopping written all over him, has not he? But it's
1: always a 90- <laughs> It's always like a ninety-sixth 96- minute winner. Sort of like, thing. It's always yeah. great. Always a
0: cracking present, but yeah. just bought the last minute.
1: <laughs> 96th minute Tracy Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, we've got a lot to talk about in this show. We've got the two Wrexham games over the weekend, and we've got the Newport game to look forward to, and any of Christmassy bits and bobs to talk about. So, this is Dragonheart.
0: I'm Mia Roberts, and this is Dragonheart.
1: Colchester at home saturday a really 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 tough test bill against a side that were quite stubborn weren't they
0: yeah i mean it was it was one of those i felt like we were we were kind of coasting a little bit until the red card um i think that we might have eventually broken them down like we do with teams uh with 10 men but I don't. I, I think it just goes to show how strong we are that we didn't look like we were a man down until pretty much the last five minutes, and then even then, I still felt like we were we were relatively comfortable. Um, it's just just one of those sort of games that I think really really displays how how strong the side is. Mark, doesn't it?
2: Hundred percent. Yeah, we we play against eleven men a man down and we still look come to be the better side. And it was good that Phil Parkinson reminded him of that at half-time because the players have said that's what happened, haven't they? Um, the the It is totally understandable that after a red card, we, we organise and drop off a little bit. But Parkinson quite rightly said to them at half-time, yeah, but you can still dominate this game with ten men and they came out in the second half and we were totally in control. I mean it's a good job we scored before George Evans's red card because I think if it was 0 Mill at that point we might have it a bit more difficult. But the the truth is, as as you said, Bella, before the goal I thought we looked really comfortable. It reminded me of the Morecambe game.
1: Mm.
2: You know, it just they looked they were they were neat and tidy on the ball. Fair enough. But we were we were we had no sweat in defence against when we had eleven. And we were quite happy. We got the early-ish goal. They were early goal. And we were quite happy. Sit off a bit, let them pass it around in front of us. They're not going to cause any problems. And then their defence looked shaky. And we could just nip in and hit them on the break. And we were going to get more goals. And I just felt like the second half, they would probably have caved in like Morecambe did. Uh, uh, the red card changes it. But once we'd had that half-time reset and got on the front fuss, we were by far the better side in the second half their consolation goal if you want to call it that, that's well, what I shouldn't call it that because it gave them seven minutes of added time to chase us, uh, but that just puts an unrealistic picture on the scoreline, I thought thought we were comfortably on top of that game Howard didn't have many saves to make and yeah, I was just really pleased, Well like you can say, Bill <coughs> it shows our strength and depth shows our resilience and it also shows that if you bring James Jones on at half time, he's going to do the running of two players, so
1: you know, maybe not at that much of a disadvantage anyway. Yeah. Well, I'd like to talk about the red card. Um, from our view and the commentary commentary area, I thought that the first challenge could have been a red. And then re-looking at the highlights, the second one was definitely a straight red. Bill, what was your thoughts? I, I thought they were two silly challenges and you did deserve to go off.
0: I think I can't... Really remember the first one too clearly because it's at the side of the pitch where that that sort of for from where I'm sat it's that far left corner, um right in front of you guys actually wasn't it really I suppose yeah if, am I am I remember that rightly is that where it it was yeah edge of the box wasn't it yeah. at the cop right that's it yeah so I couldn't really see that but it felt like nobody was up in arms about him getting a yellow. You know what I mean? Nobody, you can usually tell when it's wildly um out of proportion. Uh, And then the second one was, I felt like it was a yellow rather than a straight red at the time. And so did everyone around us, but then I've seen the replays and I know still images are a bit misleading sometimes, but there is one uh, where he's got the contact and the ball is well and truly, you know, the other side of him and, the the ref had such a good such a good view of it that yeah fair enough mm. that's a red no nobody not a single person in the stand which is yeah. you know unusual had any complaints that he was sent off the only complaint was whether it should have been a second yellow or a straight red yeah and
1: I uh, think that they, so, sorry they were both orange cards I thought mm-hmm. uh, you know borderline reds mm. both of them so I you could tell by the reaction in the crowd mm. that Everyone thought, yeah, you know, because usually if there's a red card for a Wrexham player, I wouldn't want to be that referee running to the car park after the game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can it, it can be quite nasty. But Mark, they started applauding um, George Evans, which says a lot about what they think of the player.
2: It's interesting, there, isn't it? Because I mean, he he was silly, really. That I mean, he did deserve the red cards. Uh, how you've described it is perfect. To be fair to the ref, he, he got it spot on. I think the first one is a yellow, but at the time we were both saying, "We weren't we?" We wondered if it was a red. Looking at it again, I mean, he's 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 lunged in to get the ball on the edge there. He's tempted in because it's a short goal kick, and he's thinking, "If I win, this, they're in real trouble." But he's he's never getting to any positions and dipping and win it. So I like his enthusiasm, but you know he, he comes around the side of the player. The player's got his back to the to uh, well, he's facing his own goal. And he just goes down the side, doesn't get near it, and then his his trailing leg totally clears him out. It's a it's a it's a definite yellow. Um, and then the second one, like you said, yeah, for me it's a straight red. I think the rest played it correctly, and he had no he had no real chance of winning the ball. I thought in the first one, although I I get why he went for it, and the second one there was no real need. I mean, it you know the ball from Cannon takes a little touch and goes beyond him, but. I oh, he didn't have to go in like that. Um, so I was a little surprised in the way that people clapped him off because he'd sold us down the river a little bit. But yeah, he is, his performances lately have been outstanding. He's a cracking player for us. And so, yeah, in that regard, and also because, you know, Wrexham sticks together sort of thing. That's what gets us so far. So it, it's, it was a nice reflection of the crowd's general wonderful uh, relationship with the players that they were clapping him off. But... He was a bit lucky to get slapped off because he left us down a bit of a hole, didn't he? Let's be honest. Can I just say as well, with the referee, I thought he he got those decisions spot on, and that, and as Bill said, his positioning was perfect. He's like he's like two yards away, just standing there looking at it. Um, shame that when he was on virtually the same patch of grass on the pitch in the second half, that he couldn't see McGeean going right through Cannon's legs. He didn't even give a foul when I thought, having seen it again. It's a borderline red card. He's out of control. He goes over the ball and Colchester then break and get a shot off while we're down to nine men. So, you know, he might be very good at getting into dry right position. He's not necessarily a hundred percent on seeing what's happened right under his nose.
1: I suppose that's referees at this level though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know. They're not gonna they're not gonna be perfect. But I'll tell you what, someone who had a near perfect performance for me, um, was Andy Cannon and and Elliot Lee, to be fair. When George Evans came off, Elliot Lee had to drop back, didn't he, and do a lot of the nitty-gritty defensive work, which, you know, is not what he's traditionally known for. But both Andy Cannon and Elliot Lee did a really good job to see us through that first half, didn't
0: they, Bill? Oh, yeah, superb. And, I mean, they're two players that I think, although Andy Cannon has played that deep-lying player of three, he, we've not seen the best of him in that position. I think he plays a little bit better on on the right hand side with Elliot Lee on the left, just because he's got that little bit more freedom. And Elliot Lee's come to us as I mean, we've talked about it many times. Or Mark, Marks talked about it a lot on commentary as well. How you know Elliot Lee's come to us as a central attacking midfielder, almost even a second striker, and has redeveloped his game to be a centre midfielder uh, in the way that he has. So for the two of them in that system to play. Almost like two anchors together, trying to feed. And you know, you sort of noticed that that Mullin was dropping back quite deep to almost play the Elliot Lee role in the three, but a little bit further up. Um, yeah, it's a superb performance by by both of them to see out the second half, and then superb second half by both of them as well. And you you know what, mate? Like, I I, I will be open and honest. There's there's a few times especially at the beginning of the the season, Che, that I said to you quite a lot, you know, I'm I'm not really sure what Andy Cannon offers us and, and whether he has a, a place in the start at Uh But he, the last few games, he's really proven me wrong. And I'm, I'm very happy to admit that because he's starting to, it uh, seems to be starting to click for him, Mark, doesn't it? 100 percent. You I, I, you know, I can see your point. And after he got sent off
2: at Crawley, I was starting to think mm, quite a lot of quality and depth. You know, Jordan Davis isn't getting much game time. Maybe, you know, Cannon has to be going down the pecking order. Yeah, but to be fair, since then he's come back in and his form has been utterly outstanding. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. You know, most definitely on on Saturday. He he intercepts, he nips in, he makes those little challenges. He's a nice technical player, isn't he? And I quite enjoyed his protest uh when we were sitting too deep and trying to pass our way out from the fence and Colchester swarming round us. And he 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 started we broke up an attack and it fell to him like sort of halfway up our half. And nobody had stepped up to support him because we were all sitting off. And so we just kicked her into the crowd as if to say, Lad, if we're not gonna bother. Getting up the pitch and playing away out of trouble, I'm not going to bother even trying. <laughs> so I thought, wow, mm. that was, I think that was quite a, a powerful message to say to the players what Parkson was going to say at half time. Lads, let's get up. Let's get at them. Let's not just mm. sit in when we win the ball and let them bring it back to us. We've got to try and hurt them. I think kudos as well to Dolby for the simple reason I just feel sorry for him because we did have quite a debate at the end of the first half and into half time, didn't we, Che? About, yeah. you know, we need to change, but what? And I think it was, you know, with hindsight, I think it was obviously the right thing to do. But the reason I didn't commit to it was because I just felt sorry for him because I thought he worked very hard as a lone striker. We had to get Mullin out of that midfield three, didn't we, really? Because even though he works his socks off, but he's not a midfielder. Um, So I felt so sorry for Dolby. At least I I bet he's assured to start on Saturday after having to be sacrificed. But when Jones came in, again, it just gives you that solidity of that familiar. Midfield free and Mullen makes the runs to so people can hit him. I quite enjoyed with Jones watching him. He was quite conservative compared to normal with his running because you know we're a man down. Um, but he was really alert at trying to watch out that that side of the pitch gets really locked down, and that you know if Mendy wants to get up and down a bit, he'll be covering. He, he always does, but more than usual um in fact there was one passage of play where the other two midfielders were were getting a bit more engaged in midfield in the second half and he deliberately was like just sitting a bit deeper than those two just watching and he kept checking over his shoulder all the time just to see where mendy was just to see where their their wing back was just all the full background just checking over his shoulder it reminded me of um when homer simpson fought dredrick tatum um when, one of the when he I think it's his first fight. He, he he fights some bindle stiff and the the guy they're all hobos, aren't they? Hobo gym no, yeah. they're all things like that. And this first opponent, he's he's good, but he, he keeps getting distracted because he's looking over his shoulder at at his bindle in the corner, all his possessions <laughs> wrapped up and tied at the end of a stick. And so he will give a few, couple of jabs. Look at me, on a a southpaw. He give a couple of jabs, and then he look over his shoulder again. And It was was a bit like how James Jones would be like, (laughs) watching the game, and then just having a quick look, where's that bloke? Watch the game where's that for? I just like that, I just like that. Yeah, I think James Jones has a lot of qualities which are sort of easy to miss, and and things like that, tactical discipline, and just slotting in perfectly to get that midfield balanced, so the Colchester can't get at us is one of them. So I quite enjoyed that little sort of masterclass in the, the silent arts of football, I enjoyed
1: it. Yeah, I do think James Jones was, because at half time I was just shouting. It's not shouting, but I remember saying, this is a game for James Jones now. Yeah. He he needs yeah. to come on. You know, if, if you're 10 men and you've got someone like James Jones on the bench, he has to come on because he covers so much ground. Yeah. His, his work creates fantastic. It, you know, his cardio and his fitness is probably the best in the whole squad, isn't it? In all fairness. So yeah, I, I I was glad he come on and he, he did see us for, through the game. But Bill, it was not a classy three points, was it? It wasn't uh one that we'll remember forever, but it's a very important it's very important sometimes to win like that and not win flashy and that you know, your two free nails. I think your nitty gritty wins against a side like Colchester will be looking back on really fondly at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the kind of thing that if we if we uh, lose that, could be a turning point in the season. You know, that's uh, uh, all right. You know, it's it's easy to rationalise uh, going down to ten men, but it, you can't underestimate how things like that can damage morale. Sometimes, I, I think you know, like Parkinson's good enough to keep the players in check, but pe- people could, people's team seasons have unravelled over less in the past, and if we'd have lost that game. You know, um, would have been would have been devastating, and I, I think it, it just goes to show what I've what I've loved about Parkinson's side uh, since last year and, and even the season before is the importance of not losing, oh. but also of it, like Mark sort of said that he said at half-time, just imposing that dominance and having the confidence to go out there and get three points in situations where other Wrexham teams would have would have even good Wrexham teams would have crumbled in those circumstances. I mean, yeah, wow.
2: that's exactly right, isn't it? Because it amazes me—you still see people talking about Parkinson being a defensive coach just because they've heard some Sunderland fans saying that. Um, I, I just—I mean, where—where <laughs> where is he a defensive coach? I mean, he, he is liable. You're quite right to switch to that four at the back when we're drawing, and, and I mean when he switches the four at the back, that really is the kitchen sink approach, isn't it? That really is mm. right. We're going gung ho. We're going to take risks here. Um, but he will do that when we're drawing, rather than when we're losing, because he is he is determined to get three points out in games. And um, I think he should be applauded for that because that's brave. But yeah, it's he was right. He 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 configured it right at the half-time, I think didn't he? And and I, I really enjoyed us. Although I've got to say, if we'd had eleven men, I'm, I'm convinced we'd have scored a lot of goals, not least because of the nature of our second goal, which just illustrates that. Um, you could put you can put a bad cross into a penalty area where there are no strikers. And <laughs> that defense, Colchester defense will still manufacture a goal for us somewhere. Because I mean, let's be honest. I like James McLean, I mean, fair play to him. Um he whipped it in with a bit of swaz, but nonetheless, there's nobody in the box. And the defenders panics. And I so often I'm 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 feeling so sympathetic to defenders when the ball gets flashed in behind them. They feel they got to stick a foot out, but I mean that was just sheer panic, that wasn't it? You know, what I mean, there's no one there. I,
0: I've got, I've got to say personally that they were, without wanting to sound too harsh, they were easily the worst side I've seen Rexham play this season. Mm. I, I know, I know, you know, two one, and we were at home and all that sort of stuff, and we beat Morecambe six 0 But Morecambe, I think it was just a tactical thing, wasn't it? We just, we just sort of got them on the day. Um, I would be. I mean look it's very early days I and don't they've, know they've got time to I don't know trammy were pretty bad tremmy were bad right tremmy were bad but I just felt like they had they had moments in that game n- not massive moments but I don't know just I wasn't I wasn't at the trammy game was I I watched uh, I watched it on on uh, TV. yeah it um, i I don't, I don't know if you heard about this in, in on the the commentary but um Oh, it was one of the funniest things I've seen at the race course. Uh, a pair of Father Christmases uh, in the Colchester end got kicked out for trying to start a fight with the Wrexham fans. Um, now, obviously, we don't condone violence and all that sort of stuff, and violence isn't funny. That wasn't funny, but seeing two blokes dressed as Father Christmas get dragged out the, <laughs> dragged out the ground <laughs> was absolutely hysterical. And then we, as we were walking back from the ground, they were by the train station being looked after by police clearly um not sober and and uh some kids that must have only been about 9 or 10 maybe a little bit older were given giving it back to them and it was just <laughs> just hilarious uh i'll leave the language out but that was that was a highlight for me it was very funny <laughs> well i mean <clears throat>
2: while i agree that violence is not funny um if you've ever seen the malcolm in the middle episode where the whole family fights with clowns i mean that is yeah. funny so that yeah. sounds like a similar scenario that to me <laughs> <laughs> Lesson. Well, bad hey, oh god if they don't get released from custody in time what's going to happen at christmas <laughs> colchester cancel christmas there's a headline
1: <laughs> well from one win to another win after this we're going to talk about that that extra win the two wins on the bounce against rexham versus britain Ferry.
0: i'm steve dale and
1: this is dragon heart
2: welcome back hey hang on that's not Che. who's this guy talking now i'm afraid it's me mark and the reason why is that Che has mysteriously disappeared. Now, those of you who are watching in video can see the ghostly presence of his chair right there. It may well bring you back to that scene, of course, in Act Two of Macbeth, where Banquo's seat is empty at the banquet. But Macbeth thinks somebody's there because he sees the ghost of Banquo, who has just recently had killed by some dodgy lads in the marsh. So, um yeah there's old banco hovering suspiciously <laughs> weird little sort of uh shimmering at the bottom which makes me even more scared when i'm talking about ghosts and and chase chair but
0: uh I, yeah I, I love how you you described Macbeth's hitmen as dodgy lads because that's that's the perfect uh description for him
2: <laughs> exactly so exactly so um the sort of fellas that you might meet in certain parts of Wrexham at certain times of night. Um, <laughs> the the, the other, Actually, I mean, let's be honest. It's not true. The real and rather mundane reason why he's gone is because we're about to talk about the women's team. And of course, he's a notorious misogynist. So, LAUGHTER um, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> he is a reasonable man who won't know I said this until he watches us back if he ever does, which means I'm fairly safe as long as his brother <laughs> keeps his mouth shut. Uh, yeah, I've like I yeah. just, just illustrated. I know where the dodgy blokes are. So yeah. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Be
0: careful. Uh, um... Ma- Mark Beth over here.
2: Mark Beth!
0: I like that. <laughs> I'm keeping that.
2: The women's game was was actually quite odd. Um, Have you heard about the the apparent reason why Britain Ferry turned up with a massively rotated team?
0: I have not heard the the reason. Please please enlighten us, Mark Beth. Well, I mean, it was
2: it was so widespread at the ground and and being repeated by people who are in the know that I totally assume this is completely true. They had organized their Christmas due for the night before because it was a rearranged game. And to be fair, we're not talking about professional footballers. And so they didn't rearrange it. And as a result, I mean, having played on the Saturday before and they gave us a tough game, well, in this game, there were only three players in that starting 11 who were actually in the match day squad. There was only one substitute. So when you see that, you think, <laughs> aye, aye, this is going to be fun. And I've got to be honest. First 10 minutes, I I thought, yeah, this is going to be a massive, massive mismatch. We had them penned in the penalty area. We were looking really dangerous. And you just thought, this is going to be one of those 15 nil games, you know. Um, to be fair, though, they did defend their box really well, even though they couldn't get out of it. They genuinely couldn't get out of it. But they did defend their box well to the extent that in the first half, we didn't work their keeper at all. We didn't have any on-target shots, like I can recall. And as the half wore on, and and you know, you talk about earning your right to be in a the game, they got a lot more confidence and they started creeping up the pitch and getting their passes together. And they, they had a couple of, they didn't have a couple of dangerous moments, I wouldn't say that, but they had a couple of moments where they were releasing players into dangerous parts of the pitch. Nothing came of it. And you started thinking, hold on a second. The last 10 minutes of the second first half were quite poor from us. Because I think we were suddenly thinking, hold on, this should be a thrashing. And we're actually, we're not putting them to bed at all. Then Rosie Hughes had to come off injured then as well, which hopefully is nothing too serious. And then you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh, this is awkward. Half time, Mm -hmm. nil-nil. You're going to get a real crazy upset. Now, to be fair, same as Parkinson the day before. Steve Dale just uh, reset us. And the second half, (laughs) we slaughtered them. I mean, we were impressed. We got four goals. I'd met two at an injury time or well, ninetieth minute end of a ninety second, but by that point our superior fitness had really told, and we would just rip it, it was it was like a you know sort of a a world champion boxer having a a, a really inexperienced exhausted boxer on the rope, so we were just pounding away at them, either scoring or the keepers making the save or we are just missing um so it ended up as it should' have done but kudos to Britain ferry for turning up you know division lower with a a second strength second string team and actually giving us a game like that and it was it was a fascinating illustration of how football games can develop uh, you know, that old cliche like i said of earning your right to be in the game they should have been battered but they held on and by holding on and you know holding on through good defending they did start to crawl their way into it until until we finally got rid of them. It was it was a fascinating afternoon. If a bit edgy
0: in the first half. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair to Britain Ferry, that they, they you say a, a division below, but they're only a division below by by um, way of a, a, a lottery style playoff that they could have yeah. quite easily of have, of have, have won. You know, to be fair to them, they're clearly a good side. Do, do you know what they're doing in in the the league this year? The top of the league. They've won all, every game and they've yet to concede. So
2: not bad. Really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow, I mean fair play that's that's impressive,
2: isn't it? But it was interesting seeing them back to back in in these two games because they' looked a the full strength team, obviously for the Welsh Cup quarterfinal. And you could see how we've stepped on um mm. and certainly in terms of fitness because you know one of the big changes as we've brought in a fitness coach uh, there's always a health and fitness and conditioning coach. And there's a huge difference, I think. You couldn't see it at the start of the season because I think that sort of thing's is gradual, isn't it? You can't just have a couple of seconds with a, a fitness coach and then, wow, look at me, I'm Superman. But it's it's all <laughs> kicking in now. So you look at the Car- Cardiff and Swansea games, our first two home games, and you could see that they were fitting us at the end because they've had the benefit of this for a while. But in this game now, when you think of last season when we played Britain Ferry and we were having to hang on quite a lot, they were a good side but in this match and, and and in both games to be honest in the second half our superior fitness really came through and we were running running them ragged uh, even when it was their full strength side it was a different game the first game against full strength side from the playoff because we dominated we were on top um, we got at them and we should have won by more than two goals although they showed in the second half a bit of what they got until they got a bit tired but it's interesting I mean it's brilliant having Lily Jones commentating with me on Sunday although I'd rather she didn't because, you know, I'd rather she was on the bench. But, Mm. you know, she was saying as well, she thought it might have been a bit of nervousness and edginess in that playoff as well. She felt it wasn't so much that they were a good possession team and imposed themselves on us as that we played badly, Um, which Ah. was interesting to hear, you know, because, you know, we are good on the break. We are good at absorbing. We've got a very good defensive unit. We are good at absorbing pressure and hitting teams. But she was saying, "No, we we just would not play well." But it's in the in these two games here, we did impose ourselves, albeit with the fact that um, Britain Ferry's Christmas do kind of helped us out a bit in the second match,
1: bizarrely. I can't help but feel sorry for Britain Ferry, though. To be fair, and Key. because last season when we when I, when I watched them players play them both play both those sides, they're as good as TNS or as good as anyone else we've played in uh, at this level. To be honest, they'd be competitive against Cardiff and Swansea. Uh, it's just a bit of a shame that the Welsh system for the women is quite poorly... Uh, Got to be careful what I say. It's it's growing, isn't it? It's growing. It's growing, it's growing but I, I can't help but feel like, why couldn't us and Britain Ferry get promoted and then Connors Key goes into a playoff with the other side, you a second.
0: Totally. Why couldn't they do that? For me, Matt. Sorry, Bill. Go on. No, I was going to say, Mark. You'll probably you'll probably be able to explain it better. But are there enough teams yet that are of the quality to, <coughs> required to fill? What is it? Eight, eight in eight in the the top league, and then eight in both the other leagues. That's my maths is rubbish. 20, 24, twenty four, isn't it? Twenty four half decent teams. Is is there is there scope? You know, you don't really see the likes of Bangor, Rill, uh, Port Talbot. They're all big. Well, wow, I've Port, Port Talbot got a team um, uh, up in the higher level. I can't. I can't. I don't yeah, really but, know where the seven yeah, teams. But, but, then, but
1: then, then, then it's up to the Welsh FA to invest into ecosystem. Yeah, yeah of course, then yeah. have teams like you know. Rickfield, who do have a women's team, invest more money into them so they can get to a level to mm. play at the second division and then eventually challenge to make the whole ecosystem bigger. You know, the fact that Rexham had to play in a playoff last season and Britain Ferry mm. was disgusting in my eyes.
2: I I completely agree. Um, I, I just feel there's something wrong about this because what you said, Che Hitton, on the head, this is a... You know, Wilmington's football in Wales is a developing sport and therefore it needs to be invested in. Um, I I think, Bill, you ask a, a very good question. Are there 24 strong teams? I'd say no. I'd say the bottom end of that second division contains a lot of teams that, you know, you have those mismatches I talked about earlier with. But, how you know, the fact is, how do you change it? do sure, you change mm-hmm. it by making things more competitive, and as Che said, by looking to maybe invest more broadly to try and bring the general standard up. I, I think it's it's daft. I mean, for me, you said a while ago, Jay, about you know, they're as good as TNS. Well, I, I think there's some really other very interesting examples to compare to. You look at the table and you'll see that Pontiprive United have got in the top division, they have zero points. Um, Barrytown United are really not that far ahead of them either um, now you know, I'm not trying to single those teams out so to be cruel, just to say that having one up one down as we know from the National League leads to atrophy, it leads to teams rotting away and they still sit there in the top division while other sides are strong the division below and they just can't get up and I think that's yeah. exactly what's happening and I can't see how that's healthy for the, the, the Welsh system and clearly Britain Ferry and conisky nomads the two teams that as you say pushed us really hard are clearly way too good for their level because they've both got 100 percent records then two yeah. teams below them in both divisions are Flandidno, and britain fair and sorry and cascade uh which is a well hang on a second i was going to say a team from swansea maybe wrong right, i'll step back from that right both those teams, the second place teams, the only points they've dropped have been when they played the top teams. Yes. So For me, you've got four, you've got two teams well, four teams who look pretty much ready to roll, and there's only one promotions promotion spot. And Connorsky yeah. and Britton Ferry may well win every game this season in the league, and then play each other for the right to go up, which is wrong in my eyes. I think there should be twelve teams in the top division, and then if we can, you know, I understand that the Welsh FA. You know, you look at the men's game, have looked to develop it by having strict financial rules and ground grading rules and things like that. And I do actually accept that they've done a lot of that well. But I think women's football is in a different position. And I think that a team like, say, OK, I think Connors key... Well, no, OK, let me say um, this Cascade team in the South. Um, if they can't get up, they'll come a point where their golden little period yeah. ends and they'll just go... They'll drift off, and it'll be, you know, like Histon. Remember them? They drift off. Yeah. They nearly get in the football league, and then that's uh, finished. Uh, you know that they, they're mm-hmm. the they're the flowers that need nurturing. They're the clubs yeah. that you need to just make sure they keep going. It, it's, I think it's a it's a mistake, and I think, I think this is such an opportunity to take advantage of Wrexham's high profile and actually say, girls, come on, play football. Look at this. You could be playing against Rosie Hughes.
1: You could be playing against Lily Jones, that sort of thing. They're known players. Use it. They really need yeah. to. Be. And, the Car- and, you know, Cardiff and Swansea, they played in them stadiums recently as yes. well. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, yeah. these are huge sides. It's not just Wrexham, you know. Yeah. You know, it's Cardiff, Swansea, it's huge. And as you said, Mark, I, what I am worried about is if, say, it's a Connors Key, Britain Ferry final again, hmm. for example, yeah. oh, I don't know, one of those sides win. How much more can you keep on pumping into something? Yeah, how much more can you financially keep on pumping things if you you cannot get promoted as easily? It's a travesty that Mm. these two tight sides can't get promoted. And if Clan did know versus the second side in South Wales to play each other to try and get, then 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 that makes the next season more, um, what's the word, more competitive. It makes the top league more competitive. Mm. I just think it's a little bit of a joke, and I think the women's. Uh, the women's, the Welsh women's systems not taken seriously, which is a shame. Yeah, um, as that is, that is, I agree, it is a concern
2: of mine. I, I just feel, uh, you know, okay, I know there's lots of practicalities. It'd be easy for me to sit on the opposition benches and say the government should be doing this. But, uh, you know, it just feels there's lots of opportunities at the moment. And if you just keep it as it always is, you won't seize them. I, I mean, just to illustrate, I suppose, the point I'm trying to make. um last season, I think it's fair to say wrexham Connorsky, and Britton Ferry were outstanding and should have been in the top division. If they all get up as quickly as possible, that process will take three years. That's wrong. Yeah. You know, those three clubs should be in the top division. And I should point out as well, actually, Cascade took um, Britton Ferry. Britain Ferry, I think I'm right in saying won all but one game in their league last season. But Cascade took them to the last weekend. So again, you know, I don't pay as much attention to them because they're not up north. But you know, it may well be there's four teams that absolutely ought to be in the top division. But that would take
1: four years. <laughs> That's wrong. We played, we played didno in the cup this year, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. And that was a very competitive game as well, wasn't it? We won it in the ninety fourth minute. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: Although so I have to, I have so, to admit, they then went off to the league cup and lost fourteen. That goes to show 0. that
1: didno could be good at the
2: top level as well. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, they certainly played it, very it, well you know, against us. It, it, like I said, in the, the, the next week in the trophy, I haven't checked whether they rotated their team, but they got absolutely slaughtered double figures by one of the top division teams. But, you know, Swansea University, over the last couple of years, have really developed a reputation for giant killing. They've been knocking top division teams out. Britain Ferry reached the cup final last year. Yeah. I mean, these are, you know, it, it just feels something has to be addressed here. And I just feel like it's a chance to gamble. And if it comes off, it'll pay off. And you have got people like Robin Ryan who probably back her up in terms of publicizing things.
0: You know, Welsh FA I think need to grab this chance and go for it. Mm, definitely. I mean, just having, just having a quick look at the the uh, comparing the men's teams in the current Premier and and uh, the North and the South to the Adran Premier and Adran leagues. Um, just off the top of like a really quick look, you've got big areas like. Prestatting, Common Bay, Carnarvon, Baller, Newtown, Haverford uh, West, um, Port Talbot. Uh, I mean, even teams like Gressford have got a a, a men's team, uh, Flint. There's, there's just so many big settlements in Wales that have got big enough scope for uh, expansion teams, as you could probably call it. You know, the 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 Cymru Premier's got 12 teams and the North and South respectively both have 16 teams. Look, it's a hell of a lot easier said than done. But what's to stop uh the Welsh FA giving out grants to sort out these kind? you know, like to sort out these teams to say, here you go, here's a significant amount of money for you to start a a, a decent women's side. We're gonna make uh a two a two-tier national level possibly uh you know like the an, an adram premier and an adram championship or whatever and then go regional and split it there i don't i don't know maybe the money isn't there it's it's a, it's a difficult thing to say when you're not on the other side of it but like you say mark you've got these two massive hollywood stars who i'm sure if they use their connections properly they they want to be they want to be involved you know they, they want to be involved in expanding welsh culture as well as as mm. uh the football, there's absolutely nothing stopping the, the Welsh FA approaching them in some way or another, even if it was just for, I don't know, Aviation Gin to sponsor the league and use that money to, well, maybe that's a conflict of interest, I don't know, that is a tough one, but do you see what I'm getting at? There's there's, there's yeah, something to the- be said there, isn't there, about, about using some money for an expansion for these clubs that have already got the facilities because the men are using them. Yeah, yeah.
2: Hundred percent, and even if it's not a sponsorship thing, you know it, it. could. It's just the fact that you know, as you said, they are committed to community work, and if they were the people who were able to, you know, resurrect or not, not resurrect, were to, able to propel uh, the women's game in Wales forwards. That'd be, I'm sure, something they'd be interested in being involved in.
0: But and and let's let's be honest as well, without without wanting to sound arrogant, because this is a Rex and podcast. They they've got the absolute they've got the the, the gold mine that that is missing that the the big free in Welsh football Barry Emanuel why aren't Newport being approached and asked to uh, uh you know get in the mix here as well from the women's point of view but that's a I suppose that's that you know that those kind of things are quite political sometimes but you got the big free Welsh clubs that are playing each other. They never play each other anymore. Ever. They're going to be in regular competition every single year. Let's make a big deal out of the fact that Cardiff and Swansea and Wrexham are going to be title challenging against each other because it's so unique in the history of Welsh football that those three teams are going for the league at the same time as each other. I think it's great that there's
1: teams like Aberystwyth who get to play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It's great for local Welsh football fans and. The, way, the women's games are played on a Sunday as well, so you can get to watch them at any men's team that you follow. You can get to watch two extra games on a uh, on a Saturday and Sunday. Mm. One thing I love about the women's games is how affordable it is. Yeah. It's a completely different demographic. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think a lot of the things are so, so brilliant about watching the Welsh women's sides. I've in, in, actually extremely enjoyed, and I've enjoyed commentary. I've enjoyed going and watching them. It's a completely different experience, but a re- in, a, an enjoyable one. It's just a shame that I think the FAW haven't invested in it properly yet. But maybe if we talk about it, the more we talk about it, maybe that's how that ignites change. Yeah. So yeah. every day, t- you know, we we are uh, us as a podcast, we are in fully support of the whole a- Welsh ecosystem for women's football, and we will carry on talking about it until. Uh, until something is changed and something is done about it not but least
0: one because... last positive you know like the i i've said it before but i will say it again you know all of our formative years of watching football were watching Wrexham men's play you know my my experiences were was standing on the cop chase lads and and hopefully my lad when he arrives will all spend their formative years going to watch the women's team because it's more accessible it's cheaper. Her. It's easier to get tickets, and it has that that well, I lo- I loved it when we we took your lads' chain last time. Yeah. It was it just reminded me of being on the cot because you could just get up and go for a walk and just just let the kids just have a bit of a, a leg stretch to to stop the boredom kicking in. And um, you know, back in the day, you'd be getting a can of pop that you've just finished and kicking that around, wouldn't you, on the cup? Even if the football was going on. Uh, so it's it's nice that 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 experience still exists within within football. And also well,
2: the the fact that you're so much closer to the players um in the sense that you know they, they'll go they'll go to the fans afterwards and Chaz and you know, have pitches taken and it was quite funny talking to Lily last sa- Sunday because I had to ask her about that post course game you know I, I I took a while to pack up. But the, they still did the same thing, even though there were only 10,000 people in. They were walking all the players slowly around the pitch, getting selfies taken, chatting with fans, things like that. And even after I'd finished, I remember I it took quite a while to pack up. And I, even after that, I was like, they're still out there. And she mm. said they were out there for about two hours on the pitch. Just like, you know, working their way around all the crowd that would come down from the stands. And it's just things like that. It's it's a you know It's a chance to get to to get close to the team that you don't really get with the men's team in quite the same way, although I, I, the men's team and the fans have got this astonishing bond, but the women's team, you can wander down to the side of the pitch afterwards and say, well played to them and have a little chat. Uh, Karen Allen, the captain, for example, yeah. <laughs> well, like I mentioned this in the podcast, what the heck, I repeat myself, I've been doing that after Christmas dinner for about a week anyway, so what the hell. Yes. Um, <laughs> Karen Allen is a, is a rock-solid center he's class centre-back, what a player, uh, but very comfortable with the ball at her feet and will sometimes drive forwards through the middle. But I'd never seen her doing this before. Um, she just started suddenly, and remember, this is a back four, not a back three. She just suddenly started making charges down the wing, like a, an overlapping centre-back. And she was tremendous <laughs> in the second half. And we were overloading, it was causing all sorts of problems. And she was loving it, just tearing down the wing and coming back again. And I said to her afterwards, I said, oh, I, I, like, this, um, I like this overlapping centre-back thing. That you, you're, a, you're a winger now, are you? And she said, "Oh, yeah!" In, in anticipation of all the pigs on blankets she'd be having next week, she says she thought she'd she'd put a few few laps in early. <laughs> but it's just that like, you know that is that accessibility of just walking along and the players are there on the side of the pitch. You can say hi. It's nice in that respect as well. Nice for kids to see that and see that players who they they respect and who they might emulate to be like are approachable. I think that's a good yeah. thing too. I really, uh, yeah,
1: I, I I love my Sundays. Well, my, my lad loves watching the Wrexham ladies' side. It's what he says. He likes to watch. He, he actually prefers to watch the women play over the men. Bless him. So, he, you know, it's it's great to inspire the future kids, and especially the young girls coming up because, uh, because of Rosie Hughes, because of Amber Lightfoot and all these fantastic players that we've got. Who knows what we could produce in the future? Maybe we could produce a really, really top-level player, which, you know, who knows, we could maybe get Wales into a World Cup or a Euros in the women's game as well. So that's something that would be fantastic in the future. And I must say as well, I mean,
2: and here's a, a cry out to everybody who respected Bill's, violence is not right, but it is great sentiments earlier. Um, <laughs> if, if you want to see proper crunching tackles that leave your opponents in a twisted heap, please come to watch Wrexham because we have our defence is epic and I mean for example the 2 fullbacks always bang on about Phoebe Davis and Aaron Lovett who Aaron's been injured for a while sadly but geesh, when, when they tackle you you know that you've been tackled when they tackle you you can feel you can taste your lungs in your mouth they just crunch in absolutely epic and the centre-backs Allen and Luisa Dixon are the same. Dora and I keep on Dixon for a reason. Don't know why. Katie Sharp sent. Oh man, there's some proper tacklers in that team. Um. So if you, if you enjoy watching players getting crunched, we're the teams
1: that come and watch. Well, that's a great note to finish that segment off. After this, we're going to be talking about a bit of Welsh on Wales, on Wales crime that's going to happen on Saturday. We're going to talk about <laughs> Wrexham v Newport.
0: I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragon Hot.
1: Well, Wrexham versus Newport on Saturday. Not quite a derby, but kind of a derby. A good rivalry between two Welsh sides. But we've got a lot of unfinished business with them, haven't we, Bill, after that playoff final and the last time we played them in, in the FA Cup?
0: Yeah, I think I think you can, you can kind of write off the FA Cup game because it felt a little bit like, with everything that was going on with Sam Ricketts at the time, it felt like we were going to lose. So, and we didn't, we drew, but I ended up losing the replay. So that was just one of those things. Now we're we're back in the same league as them. Uh, they're due pasting. Um I I think it's the type of derby rivalry, whatever you want to call it, that would kind of soften if we were in the same league as them for, for a good set of years, because um, it's not really a rivalry. But I think because of that playoff, it's going to be very heated on Saturday, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: <clears throat> I, I consider it a derby because I, I feel like Cardiff, Swansea, Newport, traditionally are major rivals of ours. But I've never really thought of it as that hotter derby. You don't tend to get a huge amount of fans coming from them until now, because that playoff was just massive. You know, one winner takes all. Their season's wonderful. They're back in the Football League. And it is a fantastic story, to be fair, to Newport, who went out of business, refounded themselves. They've had difficulty finding a regular home but they fought their way back up the divisions, and that's a brilliant story. But I just wish it hadn't happened at our expense. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, and, and the fact, I mean, that was one of the most unpleasant experiences I've ever had at a football yeah. ground. It, it was just a horrible, yeah. tense yeah. game. It had penalties written all over it, and then we we caved right at the end. We missed that old famous Brett home yeah. open goal, uh, which I guess, sadly, is one of the iconic moments of us in this century. And the opportunities missed. I mean, the only thing I can say to the silver lining is if we'd gone up then, I guess Robin Ryan wouldn't have been interested in investing. Uh, so maybe it worked out for the best. But yeah, it, it's got much more on it because of that, hasn't it? The cup tie, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it just added a little bit of spice. That was it. If you remember that that first match, the nil-nil at the race course, was the actual day that Ricketts was told, You're not, you can't come yeah. into the ground, wasn't it? Because mm. the club founder, he'd been talking to Shrewsbury. Um, but I, my recollection of that game was that even though they were, were they, I think they were two divisions higher than us. I'm pretty sure. But we Weren't they doing really well in League Two that Yeah, season? oh, all right, yeah, okay. But they were very, they were they were a strong team, and we dominated them. We were terrific. But they had Joe Day in goal, didn't they? And he just was brilliant, yeah. and he repelled mm-hmm. us. So we were unlucky not to beat them. And then the second game was four <clears throat> nil. We had Luke Young sent off quite early, and. I haven't actually seen that game. I I never got the footage. But by all accounts of people who know what they're talking about, who were there, we played a lot better than that 4-0 should have been. But, you know, early sending off in that occasion against a high-division team that was doing really well did for us. So, yeah, there's going to be spiciness about this game, I think, because of that. Like like you said,
1: Bill, we want to get revenge. We want to get at them. It was the first time I ever watched Wrexham lift up a trophy. Was against Newport in FA Premier Cup yeah. uh, in the o two o three season, which was a fantastic game. That's the only good memory I've got from Newport. Uh, but yeah, that that playoff game, I gotta reiterate to the, to the international fans who weren't around at that time, or you know the younger fans. That was a soul soul destroying game. And I've always said there's a little bit left. It was I left a little bit of my football fandom, that little innocence of a football fan child left. Was left at Wembley that day. It was it was horrendous. I've got to say, I, there's nothing more I'd love than to really, really beat them
0: from a the high score line. It was the day. only. It, it was the only time I've ever walked out of a ground early, or not that not I left from my seat, and as I was walking up, just a pure devastation, <laughs> nearly in tears. It's the it's the worst I've ever reacted to a football game. Um, the second goal went in as I was walking up the stairs. So that was like insult to injury. Not only had I finally made the decision to capitulate and get out of there, they also scored as I was getting away. <laughs> awful, awful. It was just
2: soul-destroying, wasn't it? You just couldn't see a goal coming at all. It was just, oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was depressing. I like the happy side of it, though. Che, I enjoyed that game when we won 6-1. because They were on their way back yeah. up. Uh, then weren't they, and and fair play to them, but they they were no match for the Wrexham promotion side, and and I also remember when they were on the way down. I remember watching them in the league because what happened? We were in well it's now League One. They had major problems, and they clearly were not competitive, and they lost the league by they they, they finished bottom by quite a distance, and then they went straight down, straight out. Of the football league completely, they, they, they had major problems off the pitch. But I remember us walloping them 4 0 in that season. And they're sort of my sort of cult hero as a kid, Ollie Cairns, who replaced Jim Steele, my actual hero. Um, who he was just he, I, I liked Ollie Cairns and he did a decent job for us, but he, he was he wasn't he was like a big target man like my hero Jim Steele, but without all the wonderful again, Bill violence that goes along with it, which you could get away <laughs> with in those days. But he did, he is very good at spanking. Poor teams, and he's got a hat trick against them, and what I seem to recall as being a real sort of
1: man versus pinata match. Man versus pinata. (laughs) Well, there, I I think this Newport side aren't a bad side, from what Mm. I've heard. It's gonna, they've they've got you know a good result and a good performance in them. But if Wrexham play to our best, I'm sure we'll get the result that all Wrexham fans desire. So. All I've got to say is thank you very much, and I wish everyone a merry Christmas. This will be the last Dragon Art before Christmas. Thank you to everyone who works in hospitals, retail, the pubs. If you're listening to this on, on the way to work or on the way home, thank you so much for keeping the country running and making Christmas time so special. Um, this has been Matt Griffiths, Bill Long, and Shay Long. This is Dragon Art. A con quó
0: I'm Neil Roberts and this is Jagannath.